Thanks for joining us today. At City Life, we have one purpose, making it easy for people to say yes to Jesus. We believe today's message will empower you to do exactly that. But remember that church is so much more than a sermon you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life. You know, I was reading an article this week, and it talked about uh, talked about the effects of loneliness. And it uh, it's over the last few years, several studies have suggested that social isolation and loneliness actually pose a bigger health risk in society than smoking and obesity. That loneliness has the same effect on your body as 15 cigarettes a day. Yeah, isn't that encouraging? <clears throat> The, uh, the instructions, you know, and, you know in, our, in our current day, we're all being told to isolate. And it's like, we might as well be telling people to smoke and eat donuts. Like, you know, there's a, there's a part of us, even though we need to, you know, follow the rules, uh, we also need to stay connected. We need to stay connected. And, and uh, loneliness and isolation, it, it's been a growing problem in society. I think long before this situation with COVID, that there's, there's been a problem with us getting isolated from each other. Um, you know, there was, I was uh, listening, to a, uh, listening to a preacher who had, uh, he was a leader of leaders. He, he was giving a message to pastors, and it was, it was a room full of senior pastors, and he asked them, he asked them, how many of you feel lonely in your life? And 80% of the room put their hands up. This is senior pastors. And it's like, okay, well, if the people at the helm are struggling with loneliness, I guarantee you, Everybody from the helm down are struggling with loneliness as well. We have, a, we have this, this society that seems to be connected, more connected than, than ever before. Uh, we, we, we know what people are eating for lunch every day, but we don't have anybody that we're actually connecting and sharing our lives with in a way that's that's actually rich and meaningful and and the the all the studies you know the studies on the effects of social media they're they're actually showing that they're having the opposite effect on on connection it's that we're we're monica talked about it last week we're seeing the birth of this thing called an edited relationship and it's this technology has promised that it would bring us together, but in many ways, it's actually dividing us and separating us, and it's polarizing us because we're getting opinions out, but we're not getting discourse out. We're not getting connection out. And it's one thing to, you know, we all know that person who stands up and yells their opinion. Don't, I'm not looking at anyone in particular here. If you're, is he looking at me? No, I'm not looking. I, but we also know you find it incredibly difficult to connect with that person on a personal level. The person, Proverbs 18 too actually says, the fool just wants to make their opinion known. They don't want to talk about it. So it's, you know, I, do a study on Proverbs on the fool. It's really interesting and a little convicting at times. You know, we've seen the, we've seen 
we've seen the introduction of this thing called the edited relationship. It's the relationship where you get time to think about what you're going to say before you say it. You know, when you, when you get time to type it, it, you can, you can make all your responses perfect. You can read it over. Oftentimes, you know, you read it over and go, no, I'm not sending that. And you just on goes the pattern. But relation, real relationships aren't like that. Real relationships are messy. Real relationships, you say the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong person. And you know what happens when, we, when we're in this setting of saying the wrong thing to, at the wrong time to the wrong person is what happens is we learn to be functional. We learn to interact with one another. We learn how to extend grace. We learn how to forgive. We learn how to, you know, just smile sometimes and just go, well, that's just Pastor Mike. You have to understand. He's a little dense that way. You know, that, <clears throat> that's what real relationship is. It's connection and it's not perfect. It's messy and we, and it's healthy. This is, this is what we need. And, and so when we're, when we're living in these edited relationships, we're getting more and more disconnected from one another on, on this personal level where, where true connection takes place. And so, you know, what it, the, the Bible actually talks a lot about relationship. When it talks, the first thing we see with, with Adam in the garden, and you've heard this a lot in the last few weeks, is when God looked at Adam, he looked at all of creation and said it was all good. But he looked at Adam and he said, this is not good that Adam's alone. This is not good for Adam to be alone. It is not good for us to be alone. It's not, we're not complete until we're in the context of relationship. Jesus in John 17, he said the way that the, the way that we connect with one another, the way that we love one another would actually be the way that he would reveal himself to the world as being God. That that puts a lot of importance on relationship. First John, he said, if you can't love your brother who you can see, or you can put your sister, or you know, insert necessary name here, if you can't love blank who you can see, then you can't love your father who you can't see. It's how we, how we, how we do life together is actually um, is, is the key element of how our faith develops in our lives. When, it, when you read the New Testament, most of the New Testament is written to people to teach them how to relate to one another properly. If you, if you, you start in the book of Acts, well, you start with, with Jesus, and a lot of what he taught was just relationship. But then when you, you read the book of Acts, that's a history of the church. And then when you go to like the, the, the Corinthians and Ephesians and Romans and Colossians and Philippians, these are all letters written to churches that were born and that were created in the book of Acts. And when you read it, it's like most of what's being addressed is, hey, y'all, you need to learn how to get along. When you, and, but when you look at that, the early church was an anomaly in its day. It was the first, up until that time, people were segregated in every class. People were segregated by race. People were segregated by religion. People were segregated by wealth. You had slaves, you had masters, you had, you know, you had Jews, you had Greeks, you had Romans. And these, these groups of people, they didn't interact with each other. Even with the, with the Jews, they didn't interact with the Samaritans. And the, the Samaritans wouldn't interact with the Jews. And everybody hated the Romans because they were just a, oppressive jerks. And, you know, you had, you had this, this society that was completely fragmented. 
And then you had the church was born, and all of a sudden you had these groups of people. They were all coming together. And, the, and, you, and in these groups, you know, you had Jews, and you had Gentiles, you had rich and poor, all coming together. This had never happened before. And, of course, because it all came together like this, it got messy. It, there, was, there was dysfunction in the house. And so a lot of what you read in the New Testament is actually written to the church to teach them how, how to relate to one another. And, uh, you know, the great thing is that God is in the mess. God's in the mess. Don't be afraid of the mess of relationships. Don't be afraid of the mess of, of, of connecting with others because in, it's in the midst of that you'll find that God works in your life. And so I want to read to us today, it's a, it's a rather lengthy portion of scripture, but uh, it's okay to use, to use the Bible in church because we might learn something valuable. Uh, but I want to read, this is, this is a letter that Paul the Apostle wrote to the church in Ephesus, and it's Ephesians chapter 4. And he's, he's, talking, uh, he's talking about the vital role that re- relationships play in the formation of our souls and the formation of our faith and how they take us from this place of being isolated individuals to actually being connected conquerors in the body of Christ or the church. And so he goes... He's, he's, he's talking here in uh, verse, verse 16 of chapter 4. It says, For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. So he's talking about relationships in, in relation. He's saying basically, you know, the church is the body of Christ. The church is Jesus on the earth. And Jesus on the earth is not fragmented. You know, he didn't cast an arm over here and toss a leg over here. It's, it's one unit. And so he's saying we are joined together. And then he goes on to say every member has been given divine gifts. Everybody just look at the person and say you are a divine gift. person next to you just say you're a divine gift. And here's the thing. He goes on to say, you've all been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. You've been given divine gifts to contribute to the, give, to the growth of all. As, and as these gifts operate effectively through the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say, you should not live like unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Their corrupted logic has been clouded because their hearts are so far from God. Because of spiritual apathy, they surrender their lives to lewdness, impurity, and sexual obsession. But this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. He has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man, of the old self, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. Hang on with me here. This is, you, I would encourage you to go back and read this later in this week and just, just uh, see the connections that he's making here. Now is the time to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within, as your new life, as your new life and live in union with him. So discard every form of dishonesty and lying so that you will be known to one another or so you'll be known as one who always speaks the truth for we all belong to one another. It's interesting as he's talking here about embracing the life of Jesus 
he's going on to say a whole lot of things that, that, that address how we relate to one another. Don't let the passions of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge. Not even for a day. Wow. I just would delete half the Facebook posts right there. <laughs> Don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. How does he manipulate us? Through your anger. Never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth or your keyboard. Instead, let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. And do this by speaking words of grace to help them. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults. And instead, be kind and affectionate towards one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depth of Christ's love. What a powerful portion of scripture. I want to just unpack this a little bit here. What do we see here first? Well, we see here first that God is first of all relational. God is first of all relationship. When it comes to our loneliness, Jesus actually gave his life for our loneliness. So we could be connected. A consistent theme through scripture is God takes the isolated and he puts them into family. God takes the isolated and connects them. It says that he is the father that adopts us. He's, the, the core motivation of Jesus coming to earth was to restore relationship with the Father. That's the, that's the core motivation, was to restore us in relationship. And when Jesus walked the earth, he said, I am going to build my church. And then as we discover what church is, church is not a building. Church is not a structure. Church is us. Church is people, it's connection, it's relationship, all in right relationship with the Father. The church is not, God, is not our idea. The church was God's idea. And you know, there's a, this growing movement of people to just, you know, I'm gonna, I just give up on organized religion. I just give up on the organized church and I'm just gonna have my personal relationship with God by myself. You know what? You can't do that. You know, you, you say, have we made a mess of the organization at times? Of course, because we're people and we make messes of everything. It's our gift. <laughs> but just because we make a mess of something doesn't mean it's a bad idea. It just means we need to get better at the, what we're supposed to be doing. The church is messy because it's people. Your house is messy because you live there. And the more children you have, the messier your house gets. At a birthday party last night, and Nathan's young man, he's a dumper. What's his name? Sorry. Stefan. And he, Monica keeps toys in the house just for the, in the event that kids show up at our house, and she keeps his bucket. Well, Stefan, he grabs the bucket, and he, like, dumps it over. And then he takes the little bucket and just, like, and I just look at this, and the OCD is just like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> That's relationship. And I tell you, you're going to connect with people, and they are going to dump crap. 
And they're gonna, you're, you're gonna be gathered together and someone's just gonna start dumping buckets around you. And you know what? This is what is healthy and good. This is where we learn to function with one another healthy. And this is the church. You have all been given a, a divine gift, but your gift is not for you. It's been given for the benefit of all. What God has put in you is for the person around, for the people around you. And what God has put in them is for you. And the only way we get to experience the divine gift of God in our life is by being connected to others so we can experience what God has put in them. For relationships to grow, we have to be intentional. This is where Paul said, you should not live like the unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Well, what's their empty delusion? The empty delusion is this, that my life is only about myself. My life is my own. You can't tell me what to do. What's most important is my needs, my desires, what I want. That is the empty delusion of the world. Follow that course for 10 years and see where it gets you. Because, you know, from time to time we see people decide to pursue what's that selfish, just, I just want what I want. And you know what? You see them a decade later, broken and realizing, I need connection. And the only way we get connection is, is by giving up some of our wants, our desires. If you want to marry someone, Guess what? You got to die. <laughs> you want to have children. Guess what? <laughs> You're going to die. <laughs> At each stage of life, this is every stage of life is this thing called God is going to kill you. And then he's going to resurrect a better you. And he's going to make a better you through killing you. Tell that to your children as you're disciplining. I'm going to kill you. And then I'll resurrect you. The, uh, you know, Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat dies, it can't, it can't live. You have to, there's a part of our life, relationships, there's a part of you that you have to give up on in order to actually experience growth in life in that area. Man, I'm so far off my notes. And I keep, I came with too many notes to begin with, so you guys can just settle in. What does he talk about? He says, don't give in to this, this delusion that your life is only about yourself, but be connected to others. And, and the Bible actually compares uh, the the. You know, that selfish life, my needs, my desires, my wants, it, it actually calls that spiritual ignorance. And the result of spiritual ignorance, he goes on to say, you end up surrendering your life to lewdness, with, which is just kind of unbridled passion, impurity, and sexual obsession. Man, what, that's a pretty good descriptor of our world today. And the, the, the delusion that our life is all about ourselves, it actually leads us to a place where satisfaction and happiness becomes unattainable. And a healthy, a, a healthy spiritual walk, it's not about finding happiness at any cost. It's actually about pursuing wholeness to us as a whole. How different would our world look today? How, how different would the, uh, you know, 
the North American society look? If instead of pursuing kind of wealth at any cost or the American dream, if we pursued community wholeness at any cost, if we pursued community health and functional relationship at any cost, I'll tell you, society would look very, very different. So but where does wholeness start? Well, it's really simple. It starts with those that are around you. It starts with those, you can look around the room. This is where wholeness starts. And this is part of the, I, I would say, part of the, the futility or the desperation that social media, the, the role it plays in our lives, because we see everything going wrong in the world in real time. You know, if, if someone tripped and hit their head in their bathtub in Tennessee, it's on our feed by 1130. It's like, well, what are you going to do about that? You're not going to do anything. So what happens is it creates a response in us to not do anything about things. And so we need, to, we, need to set, we need to get good at setting that influence aside and say, you know, there are things I can do something about. It's the people that are immediately around me. I can do something about those relationships. The person that I go to work with or the person that I, I'm in contact with on a regular basis, when something goes wrong in their world, I can actually do something. I can be a part of the solution and contribution in that situation. So Paul encourages, let go of this old self-centered life, this selfish life, and embrace the fullness of life that Christ offers you. And that fullness of life is offered through the context of his church through relationship. To embrace the fullness of Christ means embracing others. And this process from becoming the isolated castaway to the conqueror, guess what? It's not an individual journey. It's a journey we take together. And if you don't hear anything else, hear this. The fullness of God's grace and work in your life will be experienced through your relationship with others. It won't happen to you by yourself. It happens as we're connected to others. Proverbs, I love this verse. Sweet friendships refresh the soul and awaken our hearts with joy. For good friends are like the anointing oil that yields the fragrant incense of God's presence. You know what? We all need good friends. I love the saying, you know, we all need to have people who will stab us in the front. The, the honest, good friendships, the people who will speak the truth to our face, the people, but they won't speak it because they want to be mean. They'll speak it because I want to help you. I want to help you through this. So I'll, I'll tell you this. So I, I got three things for managing your react, or sorry, for cultivating friendships. I'm out of time, so I got to move. Number one, manage your reactions. Number one is manage your reactions. You notice how much of that portion was, was about like dealing with your anger in a healthy way. Don't let your passion, don't let passion of emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge, not even for a day. Don't, and it, he says, you're, he says, don't give the devil an opportunity to manipulate you, which he does through, he does through our reactions. And so let, let me just talk here. Here's a tip for social media. Ignore the temper tantrums. Just ignore the temper tantrums. When you, when your friend or your or your associate, they post that that post that you just want to say, you're such a dummy. Just don't. Just treat it like you treat the two-year-old that's on the on the floor screaming in the grocery store. Just like 
wow, sucks to be you. Like, <laughs> ignore the temper tantrums. Never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words be beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. Oh, let your words become beautiful gifts. Is what you're saying a beautiful gift? Oh, if it is, you're Jesus, because that's... Here's a great practice before you're tempted to voice your opinion. Don't. You know what? Just don't. Pause and reflect instead. Ask yourself the question, how can I make what I'm going to say a beautiful gift that will bring grace and encouragement to those that are hearing it? How can I, my next post bring life to those who read it? You know, there's some, there's some things you just shouldn't even get involved in because they're just not healthy. You know, how do you get in a, how do you, yeah, anyways, you know what I mean. Set aside your pride. Pride means I'm protecting myself at any cost. But God says, I read this this morning, God opposes, God opposes the proud. So when you get proud in your opinion, guess what? You're going to start fighting God. God never loses. Just, just a little hint, a little bit of inside information. The only role that ego will play in your spiritual growth is that of ruining it. Set it aside. The quicker you can get humble, the quicker God will exalt you. The quicker that he will lift you up. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, insults. Instead, be kind and affectionate towards one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another. I tell you, when it comes to sharing your life, here's a here's the second thing: is have a small group of friends that you can be vulnerable with. Don't be vulnerable with the whole world. Be vulnerable with people you can trust. And then the last thing, and this is. This is something out of a book that Monica and I just read. You're going to hear more about this book in the future. It's called The Common Rule. And uh, we're, going to, we're, we're going to be touching on it as a church. But there's one of the things in this book. It's called basically this, break bread. Break bread with people. In other words, eat with people. This, is, this is, might be the most practical, easy thing you can do. But how do you cultivate relationships? Well, you do it around the table. You do it around food whenever we're together. And, you know, Monica has recently adopted the Mediterranean diet. And uh, one of the interesting things, and it's a long story. Well, she, it's her story. She's going to tell it at some other point, I'm sure, because she'll do that. But the Mediterranean diet, what's really interesting is she's, she's telling me what this is. And she said, like, as the, the guys are describing it, it's like the Mediterranean diet is not just food. The Mediterranean diet is a lifestyle. The Mediterranean diet is, you don't eat, part of the Mediterranean diet is you don't eat food by yourself. You eat together. You eat in relationship. And so, and one of the comments was, they're not sure if the benefit of the Mediterranean diet is actually the food 
or if it's the lifestyle that's associated, it's long walks. It's eating together. You don't eat by yourself. And I look at, I look at our current culture, I think how many times I've worked through mealtime. I skip mealtime. Or how many times I've just worked through supper and then come home late and ate a meal in front of the TV, in front of the computer. You think, what, what is that? In our culture of, of busyness, we've seemed to make this strange flip where individual productivity is, is the necessity and spending time with others is the luxury. But when we look at, we look at what God calls us to in, his, in the church, it's like our connections with one another are the priority and the individual is the luxury. Instead of eating to just be fueled, eat to get connected. You know, when we eat just to be fueled, we turn ourselves into machines. You're not machines, we're beings. We're supposed to be together. We're supposed to be connected. Our stories are supposed to be shared, our lives entwined. So one of the biggest predictors of success for families and children is whether or not they eat supper together on a regular basis. Wow, like just parenting 101 right there. You want one of the biggest things that you can do to succeed with your family and raising them, eat with them, eat together. The daily habit of eating together reminds us that we need one another. We were designed to be connected, dependent, that, that we need each other. So I wanna just encourage you, make a habit of eating with others. Make a habit, and you know, I, was, I, had, lunch with, with the, I had lunch with Tony this week and I was telling him about this. And, you know, I read this and I, I thought back over some of the last seasons, recent seasons in my life. And I thought, you know, there were seasons where I could count the number of meals I've eaten with others on one hand in a month. That it just, you would work late, you'd come home, you'd just grab a bite, probably not healthy choices. You know, it's, there's something that happens when we connect with one another. We're going to sing a song here as we wrap up. And, you know... The greatest relationship that we're called to is actually our relationship with God. And it's out of that relationship that all our other relationships are affected and healthy. And, you know, a big part of that, of being able to be healthy with others is understanding who we are ourselves. See, so in my father's house, there is a place for me. You know, there's a place for you in his house as well. And, you know, the first invitation that God gives us is not an invitation to give something to him. It's not an invitation to sacrifice something for him. It's not an invitation to pay for what we've done wrong. His first invitation for us is to be in relationship with him. He invites us to follow him, to know him, to walk with him. And I've wanted, I want to pray a prayer here. And, and if you're here today, maybe you have never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've never said yes to his plan for your life or yes to his purpose. But we're going to pray a prayer right now that's saying, 
yes to Jesus, yes to his plan, yes to his purpose. And whether you're here in the room or you're watching online, I just wanna give you that opportunity and we're just going to pray this together right now. Let's pray, Jesus, I say yes to you. I say yes to a relationship with you. I wanna follow you. I wanna learn from you. I wanna understand my purpose from you. Not from the world, not from what the world tells me I am, but from what you say I am and who, who you say I am. I give you permission now to lead my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor as a church to play just a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to seeing you soon here at City Life.